the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Good day. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Holy mackerel. It's kind of that summer of discontent going on. It's May. It was not a good month, but the other months of the year have been pretty good. Yesterday's selling kind of persisted. Decidedly negative tone. You ever walk into a meeting and you can tell someone's in a bad mood? That's the stock market. And right now we're selling and then going a little bit lower. And selling and then going a little bit lower. We're looking at the 10-year treasury and there's something called an inverted yield curve. Which, oh my, 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 my. People are going to get bored with that quickly. But the... but the three-month yield is 2.35%, and the 10-year note is 2.2%. You kind of want... That's telling you that in the next three months, it's safer to have your money fighting inflation. And like that short-term approach is kind of broken, the system. And we, we look at it, and we go, what's wrong here? Um, that spread is basically saying a recession's coming. Are you with me? Against me. Good news is the S&P 500's up 11.8% year-to-date. That's not bad. So we got that going for us. But we have a looming recession, but we also have kind of a, a, a recession buster in the sense that at some point in time, we're going to figure out this China trade deal in theory, or do we go down with no deal? It's expected that the Chinese are going to play a trump card. Oh, isn't that cute? A trump card very soon with rare earths. And that's got people a little freaked out. What's that mean? It means cars and cell phones that use these minerals to make them super fast and able to store energy. Um, it could become very problematic. China has, they were gifted with tectonic movements that their country has a lot of the rare earths. A Chinese official recently cautioned that products made from rare earth minerals should not be used against the country's development. And it's a, it's a card that they got. In China, shares of JL Mag Rare Earth skyrocketed 10%, while Inuvo Technologies jumped 9.5%, all on this idea that there's a thinly veiled threat coming out of China, that you can't make your phones and your electric cars without us. China banned the export of rare earth minerals to Japan after Tokyo detained a Chinese fishing trawler captain in 2010, so it's not unheard of that they could use that against us. China has the largest mining capacity, largely because uh, for environmental issues in the United States. Getting the rare earths out of the ground, is it's, it's quite dirty and, and kills people. But China doesn't mind. The United States, we're like, meh, that's not good. Amber Crombie and Fitch and Canadian Goose are going to uh, have tough days. They're lower after disappointing earnings and results and guidance. And that ties together a string of disappointments in the retail industry. Dick's Sporting Goods has been the exception recently. They raised their full-year guidance. Um, So that's out there as far as the story goes. 
One of the companies that I really, really like is Visa. And I looked at it recently to see what's happening. And not much. It's not really pulling back as, as much as I'd want it to. I like Visa. Why should you own something like Dick's Sporting Goods when you can own Visa? Now, again, no disrespect to Dick's Sporting Goods. But you don't really need to have that retail presence. If you're, if you're following me here for a second, you don't really need the store inventory if you're buying into the idea that people pay with credit. People swipe their cards, their debit cards, and Visa's all over debit cards, credit cards, as is MasterCard. I like both. And I don't even dislike American Express. It's just at some point in time, you can only own so many of these things, right? So Visa's CEO, Al Kelly, said he's optimistic about multiple growth opportunities, including business-to-business payments and contactless cards on top of the payment industry's long-term secular trend of displacing cash and checks with electronic payments. I now probably go to an ATM maybe four or five times a year to get cash, and, and it just feels weird. Like, cash feels weird to me. It's like it's becoming kind of an odd concept. So I'm very bullish about the future of Visa and MasterCard in the payment industry. 43% of global pr- consumer purchases were made on cards last year, up from 28% in 2010. That's roughly two percentage points each year. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I think you can own that stock. Consult a broker advisor before taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show to make sure it's 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 right for you. And you know, down the road, will Venmo or PayPal or Apple put credit cards out of business with their own kind of consumer offerings on transactions? Could happen. So, but that's the risk, right? You have to understand that there is risk out there. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Blacklisting. Huawei has really upped the game with the China-U.S. trade war. I, I don't say this lightly, and I, I'm trying not to be dramatic, but what's going on right now is kind of what could and should happen. If there's a World War Three scenario, we don't have to have um, we don't have to have nuclear bombs to be World War Three, right? Anyhow, Mark Zuckerberg's in the news again. He's going to be served with a summons if he sets foot in Canada after snubbing a committee of international lawmakers on Tuesday. Zuckerberg and Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg were already served with a summons to attend the hearing, which will now remain in effect if they enter the country. And I, I love the Canadians because they go shame on Mark Zuckerberg and shame on Sheryl Sandberg for not showing up. They have to do something in theory other than continue to show up for world governments to basically criticize them. I get it. That's out there, right? 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. May is turning out to be a pretty rough month. And one of the things I talked about yesterday was there was a company like an Activision Blizzard, which is down 20%. No news. And that's just an example of maybe opportunities. So... Uh, I think that's worthy of note, right? Is that when there's a bad month, maybe that's the following month, or maybe that time is that you enter into a trade. The way I like to teach people about trading is if you want to be in a stock for 30 days, take a look at the last 30 days of the stock. That's where you start, kind of getting a feel for how it's been. Uh, if you want to be in it for the long term, take a look at the last five, 10 years, like a visa. Uh, You'll notice that I brought up Visa earlier in the segment. In the short term, it hasn't really corrected much, but Activision has. Um, You see where I'm going at with this? I don't know if I'm putting the dots together for you, but I'm trying. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. College students are taking on billions of dollars in debt. Americans are juggling $1.57 trillion in student loan debt. Wow. My first day at college was pretty eye-opening of the future of America. And to tell you briefly what it was, and this is super brief, um, there's a lot of mixtures going on. There's a lot of get the kids in college and get them kind of socialized before they start classes on Monday. So you kind of show up a couple of weeks early or a couple of days early. And... Uh, I saw a lot of just massive binge drinking, and I kind of came out of high school uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, so to speak, and I was was a little bit naive. Later that night, on the first day at college, you know, no mom, no dad, uh, doing your own laundry now, trying to figure out fake IDs and trying to figure out class schedules to pick up or drop. Uh, Around 2 o'clock in the morning, I was uh, walking down to dorm hall, I saw someone, you know, maybe 60 yards from me kind of squatting down and just looked pretty drunk, maybe crying or something kind of thing. And as I got closer, I realized it was a woman. And as I got closer, I realized that her she was defecating in the hallway and she was too drunk to figure out that she wasn't on a toilet and she was really messed up. And I was like, whoa, that's what college is all about. And it kind of When I see $1.5 trillion in student loan debt, that scares me. Financial literacy of college students is pretty low. And one of the the hopes on this show is that we up our financial literacy across the board. If you kind of pick up what I'm putting down, um, because that's a lot of debt. And you owe that money back. And it's going to be a problem at some point in time if you... Again, pick it up when I'm putting down. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. We're in a little bit of a trade war scenario, and I live in Silicon Valley, which, I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of over it. At one point in time, it was kind of cool to live on the peninsula. It was kind of, you know, you got to see things breaking. You got to figure out Lyft and Uber before your brothers from the East Coast had any concept, but uh, the trade war that we have going on right now with China, it's going to bleed into Silicon Valley, and to me, Silicon Valley really gets its, uh, and for the record, it's not Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is a different valley altogether, Uh, but the semiconductor industry, you know, really got its bread and butter on the peninsula. Intel executives used to, you know, brag that each new product they introduced would be obsolete and replaced within a year. That's pretty awesome. That's bleeding edge, right? It costs tens of millions of dollars just to design something. And by the time you put it in production, you know, has China ripped it off is a big question. Intel used the story of towering cost to ward off potential rivals. You know, by the time we design it, it's already obsolete. That's a pretty tough world to compete in. Investing in technology is brutal because it, it truly is smaller, cheaper, faster. Intel's competitors needed to spend a fortune to be prepared to move at breakneck speed just to stand a chance. And Intel, I remember, you know, in AMD has some product, and a lot of people are buzzing about their video graphics product coming out this fall, and it'll probably be in the Sony PlayStation 5 is the expectation. And they say that the next 
PlayStation, the next consoles are coming out probably next year. So don't buy one this year. But when there wasn't AMD making CPUs to compete with Intel CPUs, there was also a company called Cyrix at one point in time. And it was pretty interesting because Dell always used Intel. And they kind of had this Intel inside marketing pitch. AMD would win every now and then with HP, some design wins. And Cyrix would go after like companies like Gateway. And you're like, Gateway? Yeah, there used to be a computer company called Gateway. <laughs> These used to be investments. Intel has a market share of more than 80%, a dominance that, you know, you go, who's Cyrix? You know, AMD's just tiny. But that's where you get into the, the mentality of if they just grow a little bit of market share, it's actually exponentially large, that company. Because with a company like Intel, it's all about millions and millions and millions of chips. Intel has more than 100,000 employees. Um, and the culture of speed and change is imbued in their tech is in their is it's in their culture right um but yet you have some small companies that are saying hey we can disrupt we can reimagine what a cpu could be and should be and you know if we get that right piece of technology put together it'll make things faster smaller and essentially cheaper now, the U.S. government's current campaign against China's Huawei technologies, the attack on Huawei and Chinese trade is old school, assuming that there's an economic motivation and it's not purely security-based. International trade, you know, you can go back to the 16th century, and there's only so much wealth in the world to really tap and trying to get your hands on as big of a chunk of it as possible, which, for the record, I love the word chunk. When a candy bar is chunk size, you know it's good. When it's fun size, you know it's no good. So Intel wants to open up new markets. Technology wants to open up new markets. They don't want to necessarily take, you know, someone else's share. So the two most prominent figures in technology right now, I think, are Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. And they're building businesses with ambitions literally out of the world right now. Um, Both of them have space exploration kind of in their, their DNA. And the way China does business is different than the way like an Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos does. Of the world's wealth, you try to see U.S. entrepreneurs really open up new markets versus going after a piece of someone else's business. They're, they're truly disruptors on a lot of levels. I don't know if Elon Musk is going to make it. He's got a concept that's just too expensive to deliver um, at this point in time until electric cars are mainstream, which, again, more and more people, millennials, they, they're going to hate our, our age, our Generation X, because they're going to say, why is there so much plastic in the ocean? Why is there, you know, why, why are these gas cars still around? Uh, they don't really care about the China trade war as much as they kind of want bigger issues solved. China has a world-class company capable of taking on Apple with Huawei technologies. And it'll be interesting to see if companies like Cisco and Apple are immune to the rapid inroads that companies are making against them. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, and YouTube Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I am perfect for the job of understanding money because I had a father who was pretty hardcore alcoholic from serving in the military in Vietnam a couple times. And I think the U.S. Army kind of breeds 
alcoholics, or at least they used to. Um, and I get it. You know, uh, going to war is kind of a crazy thing. And having a club, an officer's club, where everyone gets to hang out and uh, drink every day, it's kind of a socializing window, so to speak. So my dad, he, he was an orphan. He didn't have a lot of emotions. He didn't have a good fatherly figure. The one thing I am is I'm a good fatherly figure. I love my boys. And uh, good kids. They got a big soccer tournament coming up this weekend. And um, I played goalkeeper for 19 years of my life. Uh, I guess you'd probably say from about 15 total years. And then I got to the point where everyone was better than me. Like, you get to the point where your skills, like, you can dominate, you know, pickup games with kids, and you can dominate high school, and then you get to college, and suddenly every kid who's on a college team was the best in his district. So I couldn't cut it at that point in time. But I played keeper for many, many, many years. My kids play keeper. So you kind of get this mentality of uh, um, protecting people, right? So you kind of mix that in with a dad who didn't have a lot of emotions. And I'm telling you, I've I've got a a rare skill set that I don't get too emotional and I don't get too excited. I believe moderation should be, you should moderate it. I don't think your high should be high. I don't think your low should be low. So that's out there. And that's one of the things, you know, you'll hear from me is that I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to get you to save money. And I don't care if you're a salesperson. I don't care if you're a tech innovator. I, I don't care. Those, those mean nothing to me. Um, I just want to get you to retirement because I see it as a problem. I want to get my kids set up for retirement, and they're not even in the workforce yet. Are you following me? I think uh, our society does a very poor job of creating financial literacy um, to the point that I remember, you know, one of my very first girlfriends out of college, you know, we're, we're sharing expenses, we're living together, we're living in sin. And um, she was very practical with money, which was good. And uh, we still had problems like doing the, the, the check account and saying, you know, okay, who's paying for what? And, you know, not getting too emotional, if you're following me. Um, and that's right out of college where, you know, private four-year college is $48,000 now. So creating financial literacy is going to be pretty darn important. Um, there's $339 billion in 529 savings, which is a great way of saving for college tuition for your kids. Uh, and yet, like I said, financial literacy is just not there. And it should be, and it could be. So one of the things I try to talk about are trends. Like, you don't have to own, like, a Chipotle, because you can, but I'd rather you own Visa, because they're going to get that transaction, and they don't have the cost of you know, mad cow disease or uh, bird flus or swine flus. You don't have to deal with that with a visa. So I want you to consult a worker advisor before taking action on any stocks mentioned. McDonald's, a couple years ago, millennials were like, we don't want eggs that have been caged. Chickens. We we want cageless chickens. It's kind of funny. Uh, Do you remember Gary Larson who did the far side? He did a uh, boneless chicken farm. (laughs) None of the chickens had... Bowen, so they're all just laying on the ground. Millennials, they don't like that. That's not funny to them. They want chickens to roam free. And they're willing to put their money where their mouth is on a lot of issues. So McDonald's at that point in time, I kind of, I, I really learned a lot with the cageless chickens. Their CEO came out and said, yes, we're going to go to cageless chicken eggs. It's going to take five years to implement. 
when McDonald's moves, it moves very, very slowly. I like McDonald's because, quite honestly, we all know the food's like not the greatest, and yet it still survives. So one of the things that they're doing now is they're trying to figure out the millennial. For McDonald's to survive, they, they've got my, they have my generation. They have the baby boomers um, and the generation Xers. They need to continue to figure out the younger people because the younger people are the future customers, right? So their CEO got on to CNBC today, and his name's Steve Easterbrook. And he says, we're still trying to figure out the vegan burger. Now, if you go around different McDonald's around the world, they do have some vegan burger options. They just don't have it in full scale in the U.S. So he was talking about the vegan burger, and he doesn't think it's a fad, and yet he doesn't quite think, he's not sure that the buzz will persist. If you look at a company called Beyond Meat, in the month of May, when the stock market's getting clobbered, Beyond Meat, because of millennials, they want to own that stock. I know some younger people in the financial industry, and they, to a person, want to live a healthier lifestyle. And many of them don't want to have kids. So that's interesting to note. Um, how does McDonald's get them? The fast food chain has been under pressure from consumers about plant-based options on their menus. And you're already starting to see Burger King take that step with the Impossible Whopper. It's an Impossible Burger Patty made out of plants and basically peas and beet juice for their blood. Um, in the last couple of years, you've seen McDonald's scale back their menu to try to speed up service times. So when they make a bet on a vegan burger, when they place a big order, whether it's with a Tyson Foods, who will probably get into business, and who has a bigger supply chain and a bigger delivery uh, opportunity than like a Beyond Meat, who's just kind of a first mover and kind of sexy and fun, but are they built for the long haul? At this point in time, they're not. But McDonald's has to have discussions with themselves on a regular basis. The vegan burger kind of is a big discussion that they need to make a decision on in the next year. A couple years ago, they made the all-day breakfast commitment, and we're like, do we really need all-day breakfast? And what it did was, yeah, same-store sales growth for several quarters heated up. Competitors took notice and beefed up breakfast offerings like a Starbucks. I I like Starbucks. I, I also like McDonald's for the same reason. There's always people there. So McDonald's has been under pressure to do a vegetarian-friendly burger. And it's kind of like if you go to a restaurant now and there's like almond milk and coconut milk and like all these milks that aren't really milks, but you have to have them because you don't want to send away a customer unhappy. They didn't have almond milk, therefore I'm going away. So it's not a fad, but it is a buzz right now. In Germany, in Germany. McDonald's sells a plant-based burger made by Nestle. N-E-S-T-L-E. Nestle makes the very best. Because Nestle can deliver the product that a Beyond Meat doesn't have the scale for yet. So McDonald's has been trimming its menu to kind of cut things down. When they get that burger out there, the, the whole meat substitute idea, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how the franchisees respond. Does it bring in a new customer, or does it just have an existing customer who says, well, there's now an alternative, and I can go with that? McDonald's wants to get the new customers. Are you going with me on this? Um, Burger King is testing the Impossible Whopper, which is made with plant-based Impossible Burger. And in the pilot, it was very, very, very successful. It boosted traffic in the test markets by 18.5%. You're hearing people talk more and more about taste tests. And, to be honestly, it, it doesn't seem like it's, it's faring terribly well against ground beef. But ground beef kills an animal. Kids today don't want animals killed. 
McDonald's saw traffic grow last quarter, but like others, it still is struggling to bring customers back. So you hear in retail, when you talk about the stocks, same store sales growth. And then in, in you want to see same store sales because any company can say, okay, we're going to open up 100 new restaurants and look at greater numbers are. But it's how many times people come back. And what, what's interesting to me about McDonald's is I had a horrible experience on Mother's Day at a restaurant. I will never go to that restaurant again. Have you ever said that to yourself? I'll never go to that restaurant again. And you could say whatever curse word you want, I'll never go back again. And yet we keep going back to McDonald's and we keep going back to Starbucks. McDonald's could probably serve like a finger. And I think they probably have served a finger. Like someone's cut off finger gets in their, their food and we go, ew, it's a finger. And we're like, well, I'll go back. It's almost as if they're Teflon, right? So this year, we're roughly halfway through the year, right? McDonald's is up 22% this year. It's, they've got a good problem with the impossible meatless burgers coming down the road to get new customers. Because I have no interest in, in the meatless thing, but I'm already, I'm there for the nuggets, you know, I, I, or the fries. So I don't like McDonald's, and yet it's a great investment. I like Starbucks, and I think it is a great long-term investment, minus exposure to China and other issues in the short term. You kind of get where I'm going out with this. Sometimes you don't have to like what you invest in, but they've got a good, good problem because they're that kind of big. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, and YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I dated a Canadian once, and this is a Canadian band, so there's the tie. I found, this is the Strumbellas, by the way, out of Toronto, and I I dig what they do. I, I like their sound. I like their originality. I find that about many Canadians in themselves. I find them to be happy people. I know, I know there's some Canadians who are miserable, but I don't see them. If you play a game like Fortnite and you run into a Canadian, you're like, man, you seem happy. But I dated a Canadian. You know, I'm not going to say that's the one that got away, but she was pretty cool. Um, things I like about Canada, I like the Strombellas. I know you're saying you're not going to really do this, are you? I like hockey. Um, I do not like their beer. I like Canadian women. I know you're saying, you're doing this. Um, but I think there's something is in their water, because I, I, I think their music is, they come up with some pretty good albums. Anyhow, um, I'm just throwing it out there. Got to be international. When I was traveling, when I graduated high school in the 80s and went off to college, one of the things I did was I, I, I went through Europe. When I finished college and um, backpacked Europe and you know, Euro trained Europe. And it wasn't a good time to be an American because Reagan had dropped bombs on an embassy and might have blown up an orphanage or two. So we were perceived in Europe as kind of baby killers, as a president who was a, a wackadoodle cowboy. And uh, it was interesting because when you traveled, you would kind of like get a Canadian flag and put it on your backpack. Oh, like, oh, I speak English, eh? But it's Canadian English, and uh, that took the pressure off you. People didn't hate you as much. And then, obviously, our dollar did well, and they kind of loved us, and they want us to travel. And, you know, there's there's ebbs and flows, right? And you get the idea where I'm going at with that. Um, We seem to be be ebbing again. Um, Interesting commercial that I, I don't know how I feel about this. 
Gillette has an ad in Procter & Gamble owns Gillette. It's a, it's a fascinating business model. Men get whiskers and they shave them. Um, but they have an ad with a transgender man getting his first shave. And uh, I, I, I don't know about this. It's the LGBTQ community has money and they spend money. Um, you know, your first shave is special. And I, I find this compelling to look at a commercial featuring a transgender get, doing his first shave. And, you know, it, all men remember the first time we shaved and, you know, the little whiskers that we had, kind of more like hair. Growing up, I was always trying to figure out what kind of man I want to become, and I'm still trying to figure out what kind of man I want to become. I always knew I was different. So that's the transgender ad, and uh, I find it interesting. <laughs> I find it interesting. Procter & Gamble is in a very difficult situation because you can't please everyone with your ad and your marketing. Um They've asked men to stand up to toxic masculinity, which I agree with. I think men are way too masculine. And I, I tone it down, guys. Uh, but Procter & Gamble has gradually moved into more ads with social messaging tied towards them. They had a 2014 campaign for basically panty liners. And again, it was really pushing the, the edge on sexuality. Not on, you know... Not on bang bang, but on are you a male or a female, and are you lesbian or gay, and are these issues like it's it's interesting to watch companies like Gillette and Procter Gamble uh, deal with very very dicey content, a very very dicey social messaging that someone's gonna be pissed off at, but you got to do it. Apple has an iPod out, which is pretty fascinating in my opinion. They introduced a new iPod, the first since July 2015, which was four years ago. And it looks identical to the previous model. So the internals have been updated. But now they have, basically it's a phone and it's Bluetooth. It's not a phone, excuse me. It's a camera. See how I'm starting to think about phones and cameras? Basically it's a camera and it can get your, your music on it. But a brand new device. And Apple's not really showing anything off with it. They're not like putting it in their stores like, oh, we have a new iPod. They're not doing anything flashy. They're just out there because it's, it's profitable. Apple walks a very fine line to create quality, high-end products that customers, you know, want. I, I'm questioning the iPod, but again, some people don't want their kids to have the phone feature, right? It seems kind of brutal to say it, but that's the only reason for this to exist. Um, Apple has yet to redesign their MacBook Pro keyboards, um, but they've run into a problem. So now they're repairing keyboards at an alarming rate. So Apple's trying to get a lot of mileage out of old products, and that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, whether it's their iPads, their desktops, their MacBooks, um, hardware isn't cheap to design or mass produce, so Apple likes to squeeze as much from each design as possible. Do you remember the Apple iPod dancers? Uh, a couple people went for, as them for Halloween, and it was just basically a black suit, black tights on like a big flashy yellow screen uh, so all you saw was the shadow of the person but the ipod was obviously in white which was stark contrast to the, the person uh but it's a shadow of its former self and I, I i i'm having problems with apple right now so the ipod hardware you know in 2001 was was revolutionary and they came out with six more of them and each one was different from the last now 
they've come up with one that they haven't introduced in four years, and it's basically the same looking thing, but with with better guts inside of it. So the iPod Nano, the iPod Shuffle, the iPod Minis. Do you remember when Apple had something with iPods? And now it's just like a quiet announcement. I get it. Squeeze, milk it for all you can, Apple. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.